Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to episode 35 of the Collective Wisdom Podcast. With me this week is my great friend, Lon Wong, who's just written his first book, Dear Stella. We talk about the process of writing and dig into how to create the space you need to make these creative projects come to life, how to turn off those distractions and really focus on what matters. The book also explores what it means to really be human and perhaps live a little bit more in the moment. And talking of moments, I have just spent the most amazing weekend with my three younger sisters, Ruth, Anna and Helen, which is quite rare. It's quite rare that we get the chance to just hang out together with no kids and partners. And we had such a lot of fun and we owe a huge thanks to all the dads who are, who've been stepping in to do all the childcare, but we did put the time to good use and we rose to the challenge that Forever Projects are setting for September to name your Kilimanjaro challenge. So we decided, well, I decided and the girls reluctantly joined in that we would run up and down Primrose Hill, which is the second highest hill in London, until we'd covered uh, just about the same ground as if we'd been up Kilimanjaro. Luckily, we had Bailey the dog along with us too to do an extra couple of legs because I'm not sure we'd have managed it. But it was a lot of fun and a real example of doing what you can with what you have in your hands, which is something Mark is always imploring people to do. If you'd like to see some more details about this, it's something you can also do. You can head over to the website at Forever Projects or the Instagram page for Collective Wisdom Pod, where you might even see a funny video clip of, <laughs> of the girls and I running up the hill. We had lots of laughs and I was reminded as ever just how much I really love those girls and how much they mean to me, which is a nice segue into Lon's book because essentially it's all about how much his family mean to him. So with that, I'll hand you over to Lon. I'm thrilled to say that joining me today, all the way from Toronto, Canada, I have my friend and fellow Akimbo coach, Lon Wong. Why am I so excited? Well, because Lon is not only a great guy, proud father, change agent, marketing strategist, and all-round awesome coach. But he also has recently published his first book, Dear Stella, which is written in the form of a very personal, touching series of letters to his eldest daughter, Stella, but which is also a beautiful reflection on the art of being human. I think the blurb on the back of the book describes why it's such a compelling read. If you're ever feeling lost, exhausted, unsure or merely meandering through life, these pages will help you guide back to centre. Written affectionately as letters from a father to a daughter, this book traverses life and love and hurt. It explores imagination, creativity and purpose. It dives into acceptance, seeing differently and the beauty of being fully present to your extraordinary life. 
Ultimately, it's an invitation to being more human, more alive, and more you. I couldn't agree more, and I was fortunate enough to have been asked by Lon to give some feedback on the book before it was published. And so I got to experience that invitation firsthand. It's a truly remarkable book, and you really will find something interesting to reflect on within every page. Whether it's a quote that captures a real truth, or a piece of writing that causes you to pause and think about your own life and the stories within it. This morning, to test that theory, I opened the book randomly and I landed on page 83, where Lon's family manifesto, which stands six foot tall in their hallway, is printed. And this says it all really, so I'm gonna read it for you. Welcome home. Amazing people live here. Beautiful, vulnerable, creative human beings helping one another be our best selves. This family never stops learning, exploring, and pressing forward. Every day, in every way, we're getting healthier and stronger. Curiosity, imagination, and art matters here. Laughter, play, and silliness is sacred to us. We breathe, we soak life in, we are fully present. Life is brutal. We see beauty, face pain, and walk through it together. We question, we listen to understand, and we own our own stories. We risk, we do hard things, and we help one another pursue our greatest dreams. Our family practices braving forgiveness and honest expression. We are fierce and kind, and we trust that love always wins. Wild, magical, joy-filled love spills out from this place. Together we rise. And I just, I read that this morning and I thought, well, think of my own family. If nothing else, it's something to really, really aspire to. So Lon, I, I'm so thrilled to welcome you to the podcast and thank you so much for being here to share a bit more about your inspirations and how this book came into being. Kat, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. That was such a lovely introduction. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so welcome. Um, so my first instinct is just to simply congratulate you. Um, and, and just obviously the first question is, how does it feel to have that physical copy in your hand? It, uh, it felt, I felt relief, <laughs> to be honest. It was a, a long marathon and then a sprint at the very end. Mm -hmm. And uh, to like hold it in my hand, I've never made a physical product. And so just oh, to wow. physically, tangibly like, touch it and feel it uh it felt like a like a manifestation of all these thoughts and things that were you know ruminating in my heart and then here it was in a in a physical shape uh it uh it was, it was an incredible feeling um i'm still trying to celebrate it more i think my my wife's already telling me like to you know ease in and just like allow myself to to just embrace the whole feeling um yeah. but yeah it's it feels incredible brilliant no and and so that I was really interested in that sort of you, you said something about the manifestation of all of those thoughts that you've put down. So it has the sense of being something that's been written over maybe even many years. Is that is that true? Yeah, I would say like six, seven years of starting and stopping and, uh, you know, leaving some loose notes for myself and then trying to take a swing at it. And uh, yeah, it took it took quite a while. Um, so it was a it's a Big piece of my history, I would say. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's real essence of sort of your own memoir, um, your family history, which we'll dig into a bit. But I, 
I wonder if when you started it, did you always have a, a vision of a book in mind or was it just a series of, was it going to be very personal? Was it really a series of letters to Stella? Yeah, I mean, it, it started, uh, and I share a bit about this in the book, really, as uh, uh, I set up an email account for my daughter when she was born. That's right, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just, you know, when you're a new parent, I just found myself, you know, holding my child and telling her how much I love her, how much she means to me, uh, how how much I want to share this incredible world with her. And, you know, I kept, these words kept coming up, but I knew none of it really stuck with her. And so I just started emailing her and uh, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking of a book at all at that time. Uh, I was just thinking of capturing a moment and, uh, and one day maybe sh sharing it with her. And um, I think over time, uh, it took me a while. I don't think it was a one lightning bolt moment. I just thought, oh, maybe there's something here yeah. and maybe it could be a book. And I just started playing around with it and seeing if there was, was there a book here? And uh, it took a while. It was a long journey, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess then, then once you, you move from that, I mean, that, that's such a beautiful sentiment and you do really capture that awe and wonder and just that pure love that, that, especially first time parents think, you know, I think that that's a very common experience when you're just, oh my goodness, and I'm responsible for this little thing and, um, and everything you have to share. But I guess then once you do take it from, oh, maybe there's a reason to keep on going with these notes, with these capturing yeah. these moments, which, and I, I think that is really essentially what comes through most powerfully is how the book itself is a bit of an evolution. You know, obviously you've crafted it, you you you've molded it, but there are there are sentiments so full of of wonder from when she was first born that and then and then there's sort of uh yeah, it grows as she's grown up. So I was really curious to know how how Stella's reacted to the book. Oh yeah, I uh maybe gave it to her about a week ago. Uh I to be honest, I projected the book for when she was 18, 20. Other people told me like it's for more when she's 35 or something. <laughs> she probably wouldn't read it in her teens. Yeah, uh, maybe. But yeah. um, I felt a little awkward having the world read it and her not have it yet. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I decided to just share with her. She, she was surprised, confused. Um, I, I can't imagine what it's like, right? Having a, a book written to you. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I, I think she's still, she's reading it slowly um, and uh, taking it a bit at a time. You know, I know she's sharing her, with her friends about it, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things, I'm imagining it more like a reference book, you know, something to turn back to from time to time. Yeah. Um, I've told her not to like just, you know, rapidly consume it as well. So yeah, she's, uh, I don't know what it's like. <laughs> I'm trying to process you know, it. No, it was more just whether she sort of was, reacted in a in a way that was wholeheartedly embracing it or oh really dad you know <laughs> putting all this stuff out there this is actually my life too <laughs> yeah no she didn't have any of that um she had some suspicions i think like i'd be working away after you know my day job you know on my computer yes. and i'd be flipping away screens and sometimes she'd catch me writing something that seemed to be about her and yeah. so uh i think she had some clues uh probably not the full extent of what it was though and I know, I know you have two daughters, so I'm assuming there's a sequel in the, in the uh, making. There, there'll be something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, uh, she definitely felt, uh, yeah, she felt a little left out on that moment. 
and um, but we're looking at maybe creating something together for this one. Uh, so oh, wow. I'm not sure what yeah. it is, um, but we're looking at making something together. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And and I think it's as pertinent for your second daughter as it is Stella herself, you know, that, yeah. that as you say, it's something that you can reference. It's almost like a a vessel for putting all those things as they occur to you. You know, I love the way you have compiled quotes from from people from all over the world and that mm -hmm. they obviously have meaning to you. Um, so that it is a nice place to to put those things. And it's it's the sort of book I can imagine you could you'd flick through it and there might be a pressed flower or another note that someone's added, you know, this is yeah. what I was, where I was when I read this, or mm -hmm. this is how this has come out, you know, stories that maybe started and, and they can add an ending, which would be a beautiful mm. thing. It would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I left a lot of questions throughout the book. And so yeah. I, I didn't want it to be in any way. Here's how it is. I no. wanted it to more be like, these are prompts, like jumping off points. And then, yeah, you, you, you figure it out. <laughs> you go from yeah. here. What do you think of this? Yeah. It is, it is that, and your humility in that comes across so well. I mean, there was there was one favorite moment, which was the um, Steve Jobs uh, quote, which was, stay hungry, stay foolish, which you said you wrote up on your notice board in your office the day or the year he died and your wife mm. circled the stay foolish bit and went, well, that won't be hard for you, Lord. <laughs> but that humility yeah. just, you know, and that and that need to laugh, um, and not take it too, too seriously. You know, it, it could sound like a very serious book, but actually yeah. there's lots of light moments. There's lots of um, funny stories that you, mm -hmm. you tell about yourself and about things that have happened to you along the way, which I think must be, and that will be so beautiful to be able to revisit um, as, as the kids get older. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, cause it's memoir-ish, uh, it's like a chance to reframe your own story. Mm. And so, you know, I could have taken things a thousand different ways from different situations, uh, but to like reframe it in a way that would be helpful for my daughter, like I, I had to be kind to myself. Like I had to, um, you know, share it with this uh, sense of unconditional love rather than like reprimanding myself for something that happened. Like it was just a chance to like re-examine my own history and my own life and my, my journey with her. In a different like especially because that was going into print it just helped me kind of push myself to my my best self in yeah. some ways and and almost saying well here's how it is that you know it's not who i'm trying to be or who i yeah. want to be it's just yeah. here's another yeah. way of looking at it just as who i am and how i feel yeah this that, yeah. And that is i think why it's so there's so many universal moments there because you have achieved that so successfully so I was intrigued and, and part of that memoir, part of that story was, um, you know, home is clearly really crucial to you and this whole family unit and knowing the, the parts of the history that you share of having your parents were first generation immigrants from Hong Kong. Yep. And, you know, you talk about what courage that must have taken to just in an age before you know, when we had to have paper maps, if we were lucky enough to have those, you'd have known nothing about this new country to just arrive. Yeah. So I'm intrigued to know your take on how you think that has shaped you and your your notion of what home is. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's shaped me in my latter life than earlier on. Like, I, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, you like, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You don't realize um, maybe how it's different 
or how yeah, anything unique about it. It's just it's just the water you're swimming in. Yeah. And uh, I think like later on in my life, realizing, oh, I, I grew up on a farm. <laughs> and, you know, I just didn't like, that's not the, the world I, I inhabit right now. Um, but to like, kind of have like faint feelings of that and, and what it does for me today. I think, I think that's, there's something there. Uh, even just, you know, I never thought of my parents as, you know, heroic, you know, pioneering mm -hmm. risk takers, you know, as growing up. But, you know, for myself now reflecting on, you know, how stressed I might be just, you know, traveling to, you know, out of town. Uh, they just, you know, packed up and left. Um, they had no idea of what Canada would be like. I was just asking my dad about it and he was saying like, you know, he thought, um, he thought he would just build, you know, get some lumber and build his own home in Canada. Like it just, you know, he didn't, wasn't sure what it was going to be like at all. And wow. so uh, for me to just as an adult now kind of imagining the the level of risk and uncertainty to jump into um something a new country with the hope of something better like that's uh that's unreal yeah. to me and so i think the immigrant story is, is very powerful it, for me it, it always keeps me going when things are tough i'm i'm like wow like uh like my my folks who you know have like these really humble beginnings like they they were able to risk it all even with very little and uh so yeah that's always inspired me and um i think as as immigrants just you know they were trying to learn a new language um they're trying to stay afloat and uh and for me it just helped me be kinder to them for any of the flaws or you know like in terms mm. of parenting i, I mm. felt growing up like whatever angst i might have had in high school um i just realized that uh the, you know they were they're human beings yeah. trying to make it through life trying to provide their best and uh yeah just just gave me a lot more empathy for just all that they were going through um yeah i just can't imagine how, how challenging that must have been and and so did that come out of writing the book you know do you think that opened up conversations like my goodness how was it for you guys when you yeah when you yeah it also stirred just more conversations like so now i don't know if i wasn't as curious before but like i'll ask i'll be asking my parents but what were their parents like what yeah. what did they do what were they struggling with um i just i didn't have the curiosity until maybe i started this book and i was reflecting on family history what are our roots? What are the stories we're passing on to our children? Mm. So yeah, it really helped uh, help with that process. Yeah, and and that's part of you know that's another thread that just just runs through it. Sort of the whole, as you say, some of those things are unanswered. You you say you didn't know your own grandparents at all, yeah. and and mm -hmm. sort of admire the the relationship that they've formed with your children, which is, I think that was a a really lovely thing to reflect on. Just how many people don't couldn't couldn't even name their their grandparents and and by for a lot of us by the time we get to the third you, you, if you if your great grandparents could you name the christian names of your great grandparents right, right and that whole sense of heritage and where it takes you is is fascinating so one of the questions i always ask and i i asked it of you um before we started this interview was what's the question you love to be asked about and you said that although you struggled it would probably come down to talking about food. And one of the moments, there was a moment in the book where you talk about the, the Catholic nuns who were, I think they were in the nursery right. where you were left quite often um, while your parents were working and how, because they decided they that you had some sort of dietary issues in inverted commas, while everybody else was having a nap, they kind of force fed you with oatmeal. Yeah, and there's yes. just this one line where I, you know, I still don't like 
oatmeal to this day. Right. It's it's such a powerful moment of just that how those those things can really inform us and you've really sort of excavated all of that within your own history. But when it comes to food that you do love, <laughs> what is it that you love talking about with food? Yeah, that's that's uh thanks for asking that. It wasn't after I sent it to you, like let's talk about food. I I was kind of regretting it. I was like, maybe I should have said something more profound, um, but it does light me up. Uh, no, that's the thing. <laughs> that's it's only a trigger for where's your enthusiasm? Because then I'll know that that's something that you you know. Because when people are asked that question, it's often, oh yeah, this is the thing that really does light me up. So it doesn't have yeah. to be profound. Yeah, I mean, food food's a big thing for a whole family. Uh, I would say if you're asking my favorite food. Um, the last several years, it's definitely been my wife's chicken and macaroni soup. Uh, it's like, uh, I just realized actually it, it's nostalgic for me because when I was, yeah. I think in elementary school, there was like this vending machine, like in the winters that would serve up like this processed powdery chicken soup. But I remember like I would leave my friends and I would go to this vending machine and I'll just huddle over this like cup of chicken soup, completely artificial, but like it just brought me so much comfort and so with my wife's like my whole family will tell you like I just like I just want to immerse myself in it I think the last week I was like letting the steam rise in my face and just to I like I want to swim in it I just want to be in it and yeah. um there's something incredibly comforting about it and I, I guess maybe the more like interesting thing with food for myself is just I think it's uh it engages all the senses right? Like you can smell it, taste it, mm. touch it, all of that. And, and so when I'm in a moment with food, it helps me kind of get out of my head. And it's like this embodied sensation of like, oh, here's all the things I'm, I'm sensing and feeling. And, um, and I also love that, like, it's, a it's this, it's this thing we repeatedly do, right? As human beings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like this uh, moment to reset, to recenter, to like, stop to connect with someone over a table and yeah i just really enjoy food and it's like we something we all need we all delight in and i find when we're having a great meal i've been all over the world and when when we can say like damn that was really good like it was just it's like this sense of instant empathy like yeah. connection it doesn't matter if you're like really privileged or you're incredibly poor like you can enjoy a really great meal so there's something like unifying and humane about it that, that i just love that is such a beautiful answer. And I can see now why you went to that place when you were thinking about questions you'd like to be asked, because it makes sense to me that, you know, when you're starting to think about where you start with, with trawling through memories and things that you want to put down in this book, I imagine food with the sort of nostalgia element was often a trigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think um, nostalgia is definitely a piece of it. Um, I also found that like I just delight in like really normal and simple things. And so mm -hmm. um, and it just makes for like a full life because normal, simple things are everywhere. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think like food's one of them for sure. Yeah. And just that. And, and, and as you said, it's unifying and and different people from across the globe have so many different approaches to what's the best thing you can eat. Um, I love the idea of chicken and macaroni soup. There's an element of that. I, I'm thinking of big bowls of hot soup from Hong Kong. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. of the, 
yeah. sort of simplest foods, but they're the yummiest, you know, it's mm -hmm. full of umame and um, yeah. chicken noodle soup is kind of everyone's favorite. So it, it's it's one of those things that I, I, I'm intrigued with food from a point of view of do you, is it, is it really something that you, um, you're not that worried about where it's prepared and how it's prepared? I mean, do you cook? Yeah, I, I cook, uh, I cook a good number of the meals at home. Yeah. I don't know if I enjoy cooking as much. I like, uh, creating something new or different. So like the same old is fine. Like, but, um, yeah, if I get a chance, I have a little bit extra time making something different. Uh, so I enjoyed that part of it. It's, it's another way of creating. And so I know for our family, like creativity is a big value for us. And so mealtime is one, one of those things that we especially love to do with our children. Yeah. And I think often we don't think of being creative and associated. I mean, you do, obviously, if you're a chef, but we don't think about mm -hmm. what it means to just eat beautifully and set the table. And as you say, break bread together and how you yeah. can bring all that creativity to mealtimes as much as anywhere else. Yeah, like two, three times a day, you get a chance to create something. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And if you can just use your imagination, you can actually elevate very simple ingredients and make something really special out of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And we just play with it. It's like an experiment. It, it, it's okay if it doesn't go right. Like, that, that's fine. Like, now we know this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that idea. So I was thinking about, um, I, I, I was reading your blog when I was researching for this and thinking about this sort of creative process, you have just posted a really interesting article on what it has felt like to take a year off of social media. And the, the blog post is all about the lessons that you've learned, but I'd really love to dig into that here because I think it goes in parallel with creating space for yourself to be creative. You know, we can't just yep. be creative. We have to actually create the structures around when are we going to do that thing if we're going to produce anything from it? Yeah, I it's uh, I don't think I went in thinking that I had to um, get off the social media so that I could write the book. I think for years I've been trying to increase my level of focus, and mm -hmm. I just find I'm a highly distracted human being. And so, uh, for myself, it was just how do I reduce my inputs? And uh, I found that. Like if you're going to write, like you as an individual are going to write, like you have to be very clear with what's inside you, mm, right? And, and mm. when we have like all these inputs, you know, we're filled with, you know, voices of other people, um, whatever, whatever's on social media. And so I, I just found I was, one of my top complaints uh, to writing was like, I don't have enough time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, actually there was. And uh, so it wasn't that hard. I just found um, there was, a, I could after a while, find a joy in listening uh, to myself uh, rather than all the noise that was happening in the world. So, yeah, it was it was a great it was a great process. It was year long. I'm back on now just to mostly for self promotional reasons uh, with the book. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great it was a great experiment. Yeah, because you said you said you know, and you voiced my fear, which is it's a super super useful tool, and there's no doubt it's brought many things into our lives. But what there is behind it, unlike many other useful tools is a whole industry that's devoted to keeping you hooked to forming an addiction and that is the the sinister side of social media for me so just you know how much did you find you were able to observe that by stepping away from it 
you know, I, I observed my own like addictions mm. through it. Like, uh, you know, for a while I was kind of tracking the number of times I would pick up my phone for no reason, right? Just yeah, filling that, in the that, gaps. That was the, that was the stat that just, you went from 250 pickups to about yeah. 30. And I was thinking, where do I sit on that range? Probably. Yeah. Not. It's, it's wild. Like I, I wouldn't, if, if I didn't see that stat, I wouldn't have guessed that's such a high number. Like I would have thought, yeah, I, I check it from time to time, or maybe if I'm waiting in line, but actually there was just this knee jerk reaction to filling space or uneasiness or just any gap I could find. And, uh, and then once you're in filling that gap, like you're stuck there. And so, um, yeah, and, and then just how much I was externalizing my um, sense of well-being. Uh, like, I really noticed that. And it's, it's challenging to, like, um, just sit with yourself. So when say, you say I'm, externalizing you know, your well-being, you mean you were thinking, I'll go to a yoga class to fix this? or? Well, or no, I mean, mean even just through social media, right? Like, oh, um, oh this, this makes me happy. Or, right, oh, right, this is right. inspiring, right? Yeah. Um, or like, uh, you know, this, this is, this is, this is positive stuff on social media too. Right. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. like kind of becoming dependent on the random things that people might want to serve up or the algorithms would serve up to us yeah. rather than kind of being self-determined in saying like today, like, I want to learn about this. It's fine to like look for something outside of it yourself, but to actually uh, be conscious of where uh, I'm drawing my, my news from or, um, my insights or inspiration from so that yeah. that was the big thing for me and then then switching gears to like just letting my own voice kind of surface however like messy or broken or complicated it might be uh, like I think that was another challenge and just to simply sit with myself yeah so actually starting to see I see that, that it's it's more starting to just sit with those emotions and not have to soothe them with something or mm -hmm. so what does it feel like to just try and do that from something internal rather than going and finding something that will make me laugh or make me feel better. Yeah. Makes, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And, and so this whole idea of, you know, cause I, I was just reading this morning actually that China has just said they are banning under 18 year olds use of for more than more than three hours a week for under 18 right, yeah. year olds gaming. Yeah. yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Quite radical. And the wall street journal asked the question, should we be doing that too? <laughs> and that yeah. was kind of, oh, there's a confrontational question. <laughs> but I know as a parent, it's always about the kids and how they're all addicted, but I don't question my own addictions as much as I should because I don't play video games. Somehow that's fine. But I, I do wonder whether from what you're saying, whether we're missing a trick a bit and just yeah. allowing ourselves to slip into this feeling that, we have to outsource everything or this distraction that stops us from producing things of our own and being yeah. creators. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I, when I read like people who wrote like hundreds of years ago, sometimes I, I look at it and I'm just astounded by how profound and dense and thoughtful it was. And, yeah. and I just wonder if like, is it, is that like the, like when you, when you remove all that distraction, like, are we, is, are human beings able to come up with things as incredible as that? Like, I, I think there's something to it. Like, if you look at a lot of the, uh, you know, the high tech, uh, you know, leaders or, you know, social media moguls out there, like a lot of them ban social media from, from their own kids. 
Mm, yes, yes, that's the, yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. That That's the sort of worry that sits there and you go, how do we put the genie back in the bottle kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, and you're right, you know, and some of your quotes are from, from sort of ancient philosophy and yeah. I think spending a lot of time sitting and contemplating can produce amazingly powerful insight you know and, it, and that's why we call it insight i guess because it's from inside mm. of us yeah yeah oh that's so, great i love that yeah yeah so we are here to talk about an act of kindness and i know i mean you you you've talked about being kinder to your parents as a result of this writing and i think the whole book is steeped in kindness so i'm really intrigued to know when i asked you for a story about an act of kindness what came up for you uh I mean, so many, like uh, so many stories. I, I think I'm definitely a product of the kindness of others. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think one story that came to me was uh, I wrote a little bit about it in the book, but I used to run a like a nonprofit, like a series of events where we would connect local artists with local charities, and uh, just it was just an idea I wanted to create, and I didn't have any you know, background in it, and so I would go from you know, venue to venue downtown Toronto looking for someone who would just uh, host us. And uh, yeah, this, I ended up going to this legendary nightclub downtown Toronto and cold asking the owner. Wow. And, uh, and he knew nothing about me. Uh, he knew I wanted to do something for charity, something good for the world. And he just gave it to me for free, like, like a series of events. And, uh, um, but like the part that got to me was actually, you know, as I got to know him better, like I found a, um, he was like the Batman of Toronto. Like every every single night, from two a.m. to six a.m., he would hand out like sandwiches to the homeless. Uh, he would, uh, and he would do it in his Hummer, like his bright yellow Hummer. Wow. And uh, and so I went with him a few times, partly because I wanted to drive the Hummer myself. And the amazing thing was just was how kind he was to, you know, those who were down and out. Like he he was like best friends with them. He it wasn't just handing out sandwiches. It was he would take them to the movies if he wanted to watch a movie. Like he'd just take one of his best friends on the street. And so, um, so like he was just incredibly kind. But I think the other thing I loved about him was he was this, just this contradiction of, of humanity. Like he was obviously very well off, like owning a nightclub, um, but he had taken a vow of poverty, right? He, he had this bright yellow Hummer, but he cared for the poor. He, yeah. Yeah, he was like an engineer kind of background, and then he uh, decided decided to invest in the arts and and uh, raised up like a dance community and a dance studio. And so, like, I just love that he was actually kind to himself. Like, he had this host of contradictions, and uh, you know, he's kind of like crass around the edges, but also like really soft. And something about him, just the way he cared about himself, that I just I've just never forgotten. And so, really? I loved how he was definitely kind to me, but he's is very kind to those you approached and as well as those uh to himself and did you know when you approached him that he that that's what he did already or this is something you discovered after he no no we just kind of became friends along the wow. way uh, as we would hang out from 2 a.m to 6 a.m every now and then yeah and uh just learn bits and pieces of his story and um i was just amazed it's like who are you like why why, yeah. why are you doing yeah. this it's incredible no and it's wonderful when you do hear stories like that and you realize that they're often not 
trumpeted about. They're not, you know, that story is never told. He just does it quietly and and in service yeah. to himself as well as to other people. And yeah. and I love that whole idea of yeah, that real sort of it's almost like a paradox that it doesn't make all that sense that that much sense. But he's making sense of it for himself. He's just yeah. Yeah. being himself. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. That's a wonderful story. And then for um for a challenge, I, I've got one question for you around what was the biggest challenge around writing the book? You know, what 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 was the biggest obstacle before I let you tell me about a challenge? Uh I think my biggest challenge has been the book. <laughs> like has it? Has get, it get pretty meta? I think that was one of the uh I've done a lot of things like you know, trying to you know get a company off the ground, um, trying to you know, overcome other like challenges in my life. But the book was, uh, you know, for a creative project, it's, it's, it's a large undertaking. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it has no clear end in sight. And so, and I think the other thing with a book, uh, is it's, it's such an internal struggle or wrestle. And so, you know, like I shared, like I, I started it six or seven years ago. Um, but then, it was on and off, you know, you get the original high of like, oh, I'm so excited about this. I got so much going on. Yeah. And then you hit a wall and you're like, oh, no, there's nothing here. And then you kind of revisit it and you get excited again and then like it doesn't work. And then, um, yeah, I, I put it down for years and wow. uh, and then I would go back to it. And it was hard because I I was a different person as well. And so I was like, oh, I don't really believe in this anymore. And so. <laughs> It was hard and it kept having to rewrite it and, you know, taking right. some pieces with me and then reframing it. And uh, there was always this fear of um, the permanence of writing. Wow. And, uh, you know, what if, what if I'm a different person later? What if I, you know, do I fully believe this? And giving myself permission to say, well, this is, this is who I am right now yep. at this moment in time. And uh, I'm okay with giving it to the world as it is. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just a really challenging time because I, you know, I had had a lot of doubt. Um, mm, you start questioning mm. yourself. You, you know, like I said, I'm going to do this, but I'm not. Um, so yeah, I, I really questioned a lot of like what I was doing, and, and I spent so much time on it. Uh, and I, you know, I think my my wife knew about it, and like I had nothing to show for it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you yeah, kind of half struggle. put it out there. You do that thing where you say it out loud, so therefore it's going to be a thing, and then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now do I just say, no. actually, I've changed my mind. That's not going to be a thing. Yeah, that yeah. completely backfired for me. So you really met, you know, the sort of Steve Pressfield type resistance up over close and, and over personal. And over. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> and what was your top tip for, for overcoming it? Yeah, I, that's, that's a good question. It, uh, it was a process. You know, and even all the starts and stops were processes in learning about myself and how I work. And um, so I think one was, uh, even though it wasn't completely for the book, the social media detox um, definitely gave me a lot more space. Wow. COVID helped, I would say, right? Like there's just yes. so much yeah. less. Oh, yeah, I do. wonder how many things we are going to find because of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say COVID was huge. I didn't have to commute to work. And uh there's just more spaciousness created as, as a result of it uh, for myself. Um, and then, and then knowing how I work, like I need large chunks of time and cause I just like dilly dally for a while. Like I, 
I'm very easily distracted. So I have to get it all out of my system. And before I was just trying to do like half an hour here, half an hour there, but I couldn't get through to the other side. Oh, and so for myself, knowing that like I need, I need like full days and, uh, you know, I ended up having to, to take time, time off work. And because uh, wow. um, I, I wasn't as committed to it, I found I realized like I, I wanted to write a book, um, but I was doing more like writing related activities than actually writing. Right. Kind of, whether it's yeah. like researching or like reexamining the structure or thinking about it rather than actually writing. So, um, yeah, that, that part helped me. And then just figuring out how, what works for me in terms of a, a flow state. And so I kind of got myself into a rhythm that, that really worked for me. So it's interesting you say, because um, I would have thought that that approach of, right, you're not always going to have whole days, so you're just going to have to go half an hour and, and lots yeah. of half an hours add up to a lot of time. And what yeah. you're saying is, no, I just had to understand that this is what I needed, which is, I think, where often, back to that point about externalization and how we go, oh, this is the only way to do it. This is the answer. And actually, what's really true is what's true for us and what, what's yeah. going to get you from A to B. Yeah, yeah, like I read all the books about writing, right? <laughs> How people get it done. And, Another avoidance uh, tactic. <laughs> exactly, completely. And uh, yeah, like um, you'll, you'll, there's 50 ways to write a book, I'm sure. And yeah, yeah. It's just finding, like I tried you know, a good dozen of them and uh, finding what worked for myself. That would make a yeah. good book, actually. There's 50 ways to write a book and this ain't one of them, you know. It's just, <laughs> it's like, but at least it's a book, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's fabulous. Yeah. And I, I hope I didn't steal your story, but but in a way it's good that that, that, is, that has been your greatest challenge and it's therefore even more worthy of congratulations that you've, you've got there. And do you have a sense, because the other thing that comes up for me a lot with coaching clients is that that resistance and fear and all the things, the procrastination and all the stuff, once you've done it once, that goes away. But do you have a sense of the next one being easier as a result? I feel like it will be. I don't know until I, <laughs> uh, you know, I won't know until I get there. Yeah. But when I, you know, when I hit publish and I was done, I was like, I, I know how to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know what works for me. Uh, at least I know what doesn't work for me. And so I won't go down those avenues anymore. And I did pick up a, yeah, like a, a process for myself mm -hmm. uh, in, in terms of how I write. Like I need to have like a like a parking lot of just random other ideas while I'm writing. Like I have to really, really focus on one part. I can't like look at the whole thing over and over again. And Right, right. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you, you have a place things. where you put that, oh, that's a great idea, but I'm not going to get distracted with that now. I just... Yeah, really yeah. Because it could be, it's writing related again. Mm. And I, but I, it, didn't, it then takes me off of a tangent. And so I think like I write mostly because I'm trying to finish my sentences in my head. Like I, I feel like I have all these thoughts all the time where like, like I, oh, wow, those scrambled eggs were great, but I didn't really finish it. And so like the idea of like, Oh, like it was, it was fluffy and, and moist, like just, just to finish that idea. <laughs> yeah. But it's the same thing with like processing, you know, a situation or how I hand, handle something with my kids or a feeling. And for me, like I write to like complete those sentences and finish those, those threads. Wow. And so when I'm doing a larger project, like I have to focus in on like, what's the thread I'm trying to solve here. Yeah. And then there could be other things that are related to the book, the book and really valuable, but like, I got to keep putting aside until like I figure out like what's what's the final like what's the sentence on this what do I really mean about that yeah and that is the hard labor of 
you know, the real emotional stuff about writing. That's the bit that we all do dally around and avoid because it's like, what is that thing? What is it I'm trying to say? Yeah. 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 Well, you have to go quite deep. No, brilliant, brilliant. So on to music and um and where where music plays a part in your life. How much would you say you you I mean I, I should be able to remember from because there was there was some reference to music. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, music in general, yeah. I, I did have a section in the book around my journey with music. Um and uh I mean like just a, a short version of it was just like you know like I grew up kind of listening to you know light pop music and you know just like this very like you know escape your problems enjoy everything and then you know I think I think a lot of people go through the stage like in your teen years or maybe later on like you go through this angsty period where like all that like light bubblegum pop type music like isn't doing it for you and you want something that's real and something that's like dark and something that like speaks to the torture within your soul whatever it is and uh and and then I but I found that became became like a bit of an echo chamber for myself, right? Where I just kind of stayed there, and uh, and then it wasn't until like, um, yeah, something about like discovering other types of music where like oh you know there's ways to like bridge something like light and beautiful with something dark and make something yeah. even more beautiful out of it. And so yeah, I have this whole section on the book around like going from like something light to something heavy and then if you keep pushing through the heavy parts like something light and beautiful will come out on the other end yeah and uh yeah, yeah. and it was almost how you framed your some of the darkest moments for you was was in that it, almost like the music was reflecting yeah some of that real angst mm -hmm. absolutely so when it comes to a song that you'd like to put on a playlist that tells a story what is it what's the song um a specific song uh, so there's a there's like an obscure old song that's kind of resurfaced for me lately. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, this woman's work by Kate Bush. Uh, it's like it's from like the eighties. Um, I know Kate Bush, but I don't know that song. Oh, you got to check it out. Um, oh, this woman's work. Yeah, wow, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, um, I, I discovered it like in a late nineties show, um, Party of Five. Like there's a scene where like. I don't know, I won't go into it, but like the, the main character, uh, I think he has a drinking problem. He ends up having like, um, getting into a car accident. The person he loves is, is, is injured and he's like at the hospital looking at her and this Kate Bush song comes out, which comes on. And, and then it's like this emotional, you know, I think whenever you harm someone you deeply love, like that breaks me every time. Yeah. And, uh, and the song is all about like, you know, all the, all the things that we, you know, wanted to say but we never said all the things we wanted to do but we never did all the things we wanted to give but we didn't and uh you know it's like a like i have a, I have a special spot for anything tragic and like layered and gut-wrenching so it's probably going to ruin your, your no playlist. no no uh, i am so uh, glad to have a bit of kate bush she, not only has she got an amazing voice she also yeah. grew up i grew up in wiltshire in in the uk and i'm pretty sure she was from around there you know she was yeah, i think so yeah and she was a little bit older obviously because she was singing when i was probably in my 16 17 18 that was sort of like you say in the 80s and yeah. um and yeah i i just think she she was so different to anything else that came out at the time that was that's what struck me it's a bit like bowie it was just like yeah yeah this is just so incredible and her she had that capacity has i mean you know she's still yeah. she's still singing yeah. but 
she has that capacity to strike that chord to move you straight into that place of emotion so no i think that's an amazing yeah. addition you gotta to check it out it's, it's such yeah. a powerful song it really hits home for me and uh it's a it's kind of a, a guilt-ridden type of regretful kind of song but for me it just kind of reminds me of how precious the moments are yeah and, and just not to let them slip by and just exa exactly what you were just explaining where those moments of melancholy you know inside every regret there's a little kernel of what you can do differently next time or you know don't yeah. don't stay in that regret just move forward with something that can move you towards something lighter is yeah, yeah so powerful. Yeah, and it's, a, it's like a reflection that you know when i'm in that mode like like um the, how, how much i do care mm. right? like mm. sure things didn't work out or i didn't do that but i'm regretting it because i, I really do care i really yeah. do love this person like that yeah. happened because it, it matters so much to me and so like at least acknowledge myself as a human being who cares who, who didn't get it right yeah. but that didn't stop me from caring to keep trying and yeah absolutely yeah. oh yeah. i knew i knew there'd be something profound but that's that's brilliant Lon. so thank you thank you and then as for wisdom i mean i would recommend anyone who wants to really get in touch with their own wisdom picks up a copy of the book and just has a little reflection because it's so full of wisdom um especially when it comes to parenting and yeah, just those emotions of the roller coaster that that is involved in being a parent. Um, it's all it's it's so well well put. But what's the one piece of wisdom that you you want to share with the world? Uh, I mean, for, it's what I will constantly try to share with myself, uh, and it's to simply to be human, mm. um, or at least to question in any moment, like how can I be more human in this spot? Because I, I find myself. I mean, we're all obviously human beings, but like we're often not. And so like, I'll find myself, you know, white knuckling through something, you know, trying to force something and, and realizing oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a machine. I'm, I'm a human being and uh, just allow myself to breathe or like, why didn't I get something right? So it's cause you know, I'm irrational yeah. and, uh, and I'm loaded with baggage and stories and feelings and needs. And so it's okay. I'm, I'm a human being. And I think it applies to like, uh, even outcomes, sometimes when I'm trying to control something, like I'm, I'm a human, I'm not, I'm not God, I'm not, a, I'm not here to be a puppeteer over everyone else in, in the world uh, yeah. and just to allow life to come to me. And, and I think it applies for like uh, relationships, right? Like to not lead with our, our labels. You, like I think some of them are really precious to us, which is great, but we're, yeah. we're human first. And so whenever I'm doing a project, it could be like something with marketing or communications. Like how do I, how do I be human here? How do, how do I be more human, be more myself in whatever the situation is? And I think we all know what it's like, even if we can't articulate it, we can, when we ask ourselves that question, uh, we know what to do in that next moment. Yeah, that's how can I be more human? I think that's such a profound question to ask yourself. And I think it's something that, you know, even in business and in work contexts, we're we're starting to reflect on that. How can we bring humanity into organizations and understand that humans want to connect to other humans, not to logos and yeah, just so important, so important. And then when you ask yourself that question, it can trigger a whole set of reminders of yeah, slow down, take mm -hmm. a moment, give yourself some space. Yeah. Be kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All those yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, well, Lon, I am so grateful, firstly, for you having written the book, which is, has just been an absolute joy to read. 
And I'm, I'm also so grateful because I remember the day we were paired up on a donut uh, coffee call, you know, that's right. something that, that work yeah. does. And, um, and it was just a simple act of serendipity that you were talking yeah. about the book. And I was Absolutely. like, I'd love to hear about it. And here we all are, you know, a few months later and it's, uh, it's all come to fruition. So I'm so grateful for that moment of whatever Likewise. put us together in the same room at the same Absolutely. time. It's, uh, it's been really profound for me. So we're going to try and give away a copy of Lon's fantastic book um, on Instagram. There'll be all sorts of links to that in the show note. And I'll do, a, I will explain um, how that's going to work when we've decided. But um, so for anyone, anyone else who just wants to go straight out and buy the copy, all the links for Lon's website. Um, if you, where can we find you? Just heylon.ca heylon.ca and yeah it's it's at all major bookstores you can find it on amazon dear stella it's really really worth the read so thanks very much for joining me lon and good luck with uh, getting it out there into the world thank you so much kat and thank you just for um just the care and the magic you put into creating this podcast like you you're creating like this i think it's such an incredible platform of, of generosity and i hope you Hope you know that you're someone who's who's generous and kind and, and you're such a gift uh to the world so i'm so glad you're doing what you're doing that's very kind that's very kind i'm learning i'm learning how to be a better receiver but no i really appreciate those kind words thanks so much lon and um yeah it's been an absolute pleasure it's my pleasure bye now What a superstar Lon is. I hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did. And just to give you a little taster of what the book has to offer, I agreed with Lon that I would read a couple of the short chapters from the beginning of the book. Birth. You came early on a Thursday morning, six pounds, eight ounces. You left the warm waters of your mother's womb and entered into a whole new world. All of life paused for a moment as your lungs drained of fluids and you finally took your first breath of air. The magic that would become you was once brimming within a singular cell, and yet here you are now, effortlessly generating millions of living cells with every passing second. You came into our arms with 300 tiny bones and not a single kneecap, but with time, your thighs would become stronger than concrete. You have your mother's magnetic dark eyes and my ability to grasp sizable objects with your toes. And of the almost 8 billion people who walk the earth today, and the 117 billion people who have ever existed, not one person has the same DNA, fingerprints, strengths, personality, or gift mix as you. You may feel ordinary at times, but you are an original. You're unprecedented. You are the greatest you that will ever live. Heart. Listening to your chest, the doctor discovered you had a heart murmur. It was due to an extra bundle of muscles that went across a chamber of your heart. Each time your heart pulses, that extra cord is struck, creating a slightly unusual sound. You have more heart than most, and it sings a different tune. Embrace that. Name. With most things in life, your mum and I are in sync more often than not. Coming up with your name was not one of those moments. I felt I had so many names for you that I thought was simply brilliant. All were denied, and I'm so glad they were. When your name dawned on me, I ended up writing a full-page proposal to your mum because I knew deep down this was it. Stella. 
refers to the stars or being star-like. It invokes a passage of the ancient Hebrew anthology, the Psalms, that have always stuck with me. It describes how the stars and skies declare the beauty and wonder of God and the universe. You're a living declaration of beauty and the divine to us. Stars group together to form constellations. These are the timeless and brilliant arrangements of lights that have helped navigate people throughout the centuries. Both explorers and the lost have relied on these patterned lights to find their way. I wonder if you might be the kind of person that helps guide others home as well. Stars are not static nor uniform. Upon every surface of every star are sunspots and solar flares. Every one of us has blends of darker patches along with dazzling eruptions of light. Sometimes it's tempting to deny these uneven parts of us. We're hoping that you come to embrace every single bit of who you are. Fully human. Fully you. What I love about stars is how they faithfully shine, even when the clouds are out, and they're imperceptible to us. They are ever-present, radiating their light. What might it look like to be the kind of person that shines, even when no one's looking? You have a quirky middle name, Voxana. It's a combination of Vox, Latin for voice or expression, and Anna has Hebrew origins portraying a person full of grace. So what's in a name? You'd still be you by any other name, but this name you've known all of your life also illuminates with meaning and joy and hope. Your name is not something you need to live up to. It's a reflection of who you already are. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.